Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We should, should warn people, people, Chester. Yeah. <laughs> we should warn people before Mike makes his plugs that we should probably put a warning at the beginning, like. This will only make sense at all and be interesting at all if you have to watch the show first. Yeah, yeah, we're doing a horrible job at actually describing what happened. It's very yeah. much a layman's terms of what exactly happened. We don't do it justice. Check it out. At least watch the battles themselves. I think you could do without the. Yeah, it's a very movie. quick show if you fast if you fast forward. And it's all available just online. Jokes. Just Google Bros Battle. It's yeah. on Comedy Central. Full episodes, free, nice and easy to watch. Or check out the podcast description for links. To the episodes discussed herein. I'm in this world Welcome back to 32 Fans. I'm Alex Chester. With me as always is Wheels Wienerker. Wheels, how's it rolling? You know, it's the, uh, it's the calm before the Super Bowl storm. I feel like it's when you realize you're about to be depressed for the next seven months because there's no football. I'm depressed for other reasons. But why are you depressed? Well, I mean, you know, given what's what's going on in the world, what happened this weekend and, you know, especially as a Jew in, mm. in our history and for those who know me well, they know, uh, you know, things that are important to me and things that matter to me. And I'm speaking, of course, about the the tremendous tragedy that occurred on Saturday, which uh, is that I had uh, been I'd been watching uh, roast battle for the last several days as as you ordered me to and I'd been taking copious notes. I mean, I literally, as those who know me know, I had thousands of pages of notes, and um, unfortunately, I lost all my files. So all my hard work went for naught. And when I discovered this, I was so distraught that my reaction was um, I'll put it this way: my wife said that was better than everything we've seen in roast battle so far. So my I was heartbroken for my stupidity which is obviously the only thing I was speaking about before. And uh, my wife was uh, entertained. So unfortunately, I don't have the notes. I, I had like I was planning drops where I was going to put in every of the funny jokes that they said for us to discuss. Wow. Um, I'm so I'm very so this podcast is not going to be as good as it would have been. And you, you can all blame Google because uh, uh, Google Calendar uh, screwed me. Yeah, a good uh, a good, you know, nerdy computer craftsman never blames his tools, they say. Yeah, the world is pretty crappy right now. So let's uh, let's talk about people crapping on each other. Let's talk about roast battle instead. All right. Did we bring our guests yet or no? Yeah. Here to, here to discuss Roast Battle with us. He's back for the second time on our podcast, I believe. Last time he was here to discuss Hamilton. This time he's here to discuss something almost as high-minded, and that's Roast Battle. Uh, Mike Bloom, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I'm assuming now that there are three of us back, we can finally do our own three-person wave. We can finally uh, challenge Whoa. them. Whoa! Well, yes. those guys do not, we learned this season, those guys will not talk. No matter what you yes. ask, then. Well, except for the, <laughs> very... Jamar was in the regionals. Yes, and I, but, I was a little, but but did make it. To that. <laughs> well, that well, wouldn't that have been a conflict of interest, though? Because I wonder oh. that too. And I'm sure we'll talk about the regionals kind of being a fallacy on their own, in that they're not really representative. You know, people that lost their battles in the regional yeah. still ended up going to L.A. But I'm pretty sure if they put Jamar up there, I mean, is there like a second string wave person to put in there that could pull their ding dong out for those uh, random interstitial moments? Well, he would have just had to be in the wave also. I'm just pointing out this pot. We're discussing roast battle, which is the most like in terms of, you know, the language used, the most inappropriate show on TV. So this is going to be get an explicit tag this podcast. So, Mike, you don't have to say ding dong. You can if you want, of course. Okay. That's Big old it. dick. Call the ding dong. <laughs> Let's go back to ding dong, actually. <laughs> All right. So is it, I, I do like I like our intro where we like forgot to bring in the guest. You said um and you know like four thousand times. Wait, says so the guy whose and... first word on the podcast every single week like clockwork is um long pause, which I added out of. Yeah. 
Yes. Uh, so w- this is like our what our hundred second episode or something. Yeah, but if you were listening, it's shitting on each other, but it's not going to be funny. So it's half like Rosemary. No, it's this is essentially like if you just turned it on for the first time, you would think this is our you know debut episode. This is a hundred and two, and we haven't figured out you know how to speak like human beings. Yet. What was it? Was someone wrote in this week and said that I well, a couple weeks ago I said something fifty times. You remember what it, what it was on my Seinfeld podcast? I think it was I mean maybe. Yeah, I mean, I said I mean forty nine times. He counted in one episode. Uh, wait, was that of this or the Seinfeld podcast? No, it was Seinfeld. Oh, okay. Or just in life, if someone was, you know, tracking you Black Mirror style through your webcam or something. I did notice. I just was trying, we had some tech problems and I was like, like this webcam is, uh, you know, has been given like an allowance for, and it said like, you know, the, the recording software we the program we use and like Skype. And then it was like WarbyParker.com. Like, what? Why are they? Why are they using my webcam? What's going on here? My microphone. You don't have, my tape, you don't have like, tape over your webcam. <laughs> like, uh, like Mark Zuckerberg and everyone else. My wife does on all of her webcams. Yeah. My feeling is, if anybody used... wants to hack into my camera and, and look at me yeah. like sitting in front of my computer shirtless, like, go ahead, mm. I can kill it. Yeah, <laughs> it's your funeral. Yeah. yeah, but you really are a member of the wave then, if you're sitting there shirtless at any point in time during your day. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So yeah. So let's just. Uh, so actually, now that we've mentioned the wave several times, thumbs up or thumbs down on the wave, Mike? Big thumbs down. Uh, I'm, I'm probably gonna, you know, sort of roll this into my general statements about roast battle, which is there is a lot of chaff on the week stock that is roast battle, where for a two minute battle, you're gonna get at least ten minutes of comments and wave shenanigans. I think it's funny if you think about them as sort of like a take on the uh, the boy 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 of it all, like the you know the overblown aspects that can come sometimes with battles outside of roasting. But they're doing what like two to three things every battle. If you do four battles per episode, that really adds up. And very rarely are they that funny or that relevant to what they're talking about. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's, it's almost a surprise when a coincidence when they are relevant, but. The truth is, Mike, I don't know if you're like a, a singing competition show, but you can make the same case there that it's a oh, lot yeah. of dressing. Like there's, you know, you could have like, oh, it's the final six of some singing show and you get, you know, six songs each script down to like 80 seconds each. So there's seven minutes of singing on a one hour show. Oh, yeah. That, that, this can, you can completely equate this argument with any sort of singing show or any really any sort of talent competition show out there. I feel like that is a lingering issue that because networks want to you know, languish things and really buy up that hour to two hour airtime. They do interviews and we'll talk about, I'm sure about the star studded panels that talk for minutes upon minutes at a time. It's something that I, a bone that I have to pick with all talent competitions, not just roast battle. Well, Mike, would you acknowledge this? Even if you don't appreciate the type of humor that the wave is doing, it's impressive what they're doing, given the fact, you know, again, they knew they use no words and just with props, they, they set up these tableaus which are at least impressive, even if it's not your cup of tea. Or do you reject that yeah. premise? No, I mean, I guess I admire the production quality of it, especially in season two. And I guess I sort of respect what they're doing. And it's interesting that these guys are, I don't know if they're paid at this point. It seems from what Ross is saying, they seem to just be big fans that just sort of followed them to Montreal for the first season, but decided to hang out in L.A. for the second season. But I think it's just the amount of things that they do and the uh, the the miss to hit ratio being so large makes it just leave a general sour taste in my mouth overall. All right, let's take a quick step back just in case somebody's listening to this podcast but doesn't know what the Yeah, they probably don't even know what the wave is. Yeah. yeah. Roast Battle is a show that Jeff Ross started. Akiva and I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Last year at the Just for Last Festival in Montreal, it was four nights in a row. He set up a 16-person bracket uh, to see who would – and each one would go one-on-one roasting each other while other celebrity comedians were the judges. And um, the, the eventual winner was Mike Lawrence, this uh, comedian who – I mean, I never heard it before that, but was very, very good. So he decided to do it again this year. First, he had what he called the regionals, which was smaller roast battles. But as Mike already pointed out, there was no correlation between winning in the regionals and going to the finals. They they, they made a bracket of 16, which was basically um, two, or I guess I'd say three bigger names, being uh, Kurt Metzger, Todd Berry, and Jessica Curson, and then 13 people who we had seen a little bit Jessica of. Jessica Curson is not a big name. Well, but she wasn't in the regionals, and I had heard of her before. So, oh, okay. No, right. you hadn't. Well, whatever. Yeah, she was actually she. She was the only one my wife had heard of going in. Her and Todd Berry. My wife hadn't heard of. My wife didn't know any of the judges were, but she knew Jessica Curson. No shit. <laughs> 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 how, 
How <laughs> Jen heard of her? Jen is like doesn't know anything about anything, and she was. Like, she, it's just like I don't know. She thinks all white people look the same. She told me. Anyway. Does she does she know of Ken Jong, considering that she's a doctor as well? Yeah, all doctors know each other. They're probably in the same like like complaining doctor parents group. This is or something. what's really weird to me that yeah, I don't know if Ken Jong's in PMG. Uh, there's a joke for all our uh, female doctor listeners. Jen, when she saw Ken Jong as, as the judge on that episode, she's like, "What is he doing there? He's not a comedian. He's a doctor." And I'm like. How could you know that he's a doctor and not like you can know both, but you can't know the doctor part and not the comedian part. It doesn't. That's not possible. That's weird, right? Yeah, that yeah that's weird. true. I'm like, he's been yeah. in movies and TV shows. She's like, like what? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> The Hangover, where you know him from. <laughs> he's much more of a of a comedian than he is a doctor. It's strange that he would be recognized for his medical work above any sort of. Did they go to medical school together? Maybe it was annoying to me how much he was playing up his doctorhood in that episode, actually. You know, like he's not a practicing physician, is he? Well, he still is. I mean, uh, uh, based on podcast interviews I've heard with him, he still is actually. But, but I mean, he films like a twenty-two episode sitcom every year. No, I, I don't know if he actively is right now, but he, there has been an overlap between his medical practice and his actor career. Yeah, I'm not buying. Anyway, we're spending too much time on. Ken anyway, Tom. so the point is, um, so they so they came back, they picked a final bracket of sixteen again, and it was on. Well, I would, I would, you had a good point for our sports fan listeners, which was like. The regionals were conference championship games. Like, it could get you noticed, but, you know, doing well in it didn't necessarily correlate to yeah, making yes. it. It was like and, the conference right, tournaments, yeah. and this is the NCAA, by which we mean that you could lose in the quote-unquote regionals, and it had no consequence to whether or not you showed up in the final bracket. The final bracket did not have seeding. There was sort of the two bigger names, I guess, would be Kurt Metzger and Todd Barra, and the opposite sides that they could meet in the championship if it were to be preordained that way. Anyway, so Thursday night we saw... Uh, the left half of the battle, eight people battle each other. Friday night, we saw the right half, the other eight people battle. Saturday night, we saw the Elite Eight as uh, all eight of those people who advance on Thursday and Friday face off. And then Sunday night, we saw the final four as uh, they played each other. And then immediately thereafter, live, the uh, final two played each other. Right, yeah, Sunday night was live. The other ones were probably taped a week or two before that. They also kept the whole like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they kept saying, like, Stay, turn, tune in Sunday night for the finals. And never acknowledging, like, oh, yeah, we have the semifinals also on Sunday night. My, my, my wife was annoyed because she thought, and she's probably right, given the fact that they're having this live, why didn't they have listeners be involved in the voting process? Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, they well, already... I, mean, I, I, know, I know what the answer is, but I'm, you know... Yeah, well, right, the answer is because they want to decide the winner. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. any listener would have been better than completely blitzed out of his mind, T.J. Miller. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to night four, yeah, but um, I said to Akiva earlier in the in the four-night run, I said this really feels, and I obviously am not, uh, Mike, are you a guy who watches wrestling? Uh, I am not, no. Okay, so I'm decidedly not, but I thought that this sort of appealed to what I assume is, is the most appealing parts of WWE, and I like the entrances, especially guys like Alex Hooper, sort of the dramatic way they come out with the costumes and the music, and I like sort of the bravado of the characters against each other, and apparently, much like WWE, it's scripted because... Um, not not completely scripted for sure, but it's certainly the case that uh, some judges were told what to do. Usually, for example, there was drama going into the, you know the third judge. It was very rarely a, a sweep of the judges, even in a couple cases uh, where there should have been. Yeah, they, but, they they bring it to Jeff Ross, who's the showrunner, more often than not. Yeah, for him to make yeah. decisions. Yeah, he's the deciding judge. So again, I want to apologize. My notes are I had so many notes, and um, especially on the first couple of nights, and we're a little bit light on that. But uh, we'll start with night one. It started with uh, Frank Castillo versus Jay Light, their okay. best friends. The okay. would-be winner. Wait, wait, hold on. Yeah, spoiler. spoiler. <laughs> no, 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 wait. You're saying that people are watching this along and saying, I'm going to pause No, I think we're the only three people on Earth who watch this show, so we're spoiling for everyone else who's going to listen to the podcast. I'll say this. I was, you know, I said on last week's podcast that, that if, I, if I was doing my top TV shows of 2016, Game of Thrones number one, obviously, I had the season one of Roast Battle number two. I thought this season overall was not as strong as last season. I thought well, the game of Montreal was better. The production value was just as good, just the comedians weren't as good. Yeah. They went backwards in terms of comedians. Yeah. Like, last time they had a bunch of names, and this time... Oh, I know, but last time they had people I never heard of, but they were really good, like Mike Lawrence, for example. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah, well, a, a lot of the comedians in... The, I, I messaged Mike on day one or two. Frank Castillo, who we just mentioned, had like 500 followers on Twitter. Anna Valenzuela had, you know, still has like 600 followers on Twitter. You know, they, they have some really no-name comics. Yeah. A lot of them are not professional comedians. Like, a lot of them have other jobs. 
Well, that doesn't mean you're not a professional comedian. That just means that you're a struggling comedian and you need to put, you know, have another way to put food on your. Oh, Chester, just Google the word professional and it'll help you figure it out. Like, that, well, what, what, if what you, you mean, what you mean is they're not full time comedians. Yeah, that's what a professional comedian is. You don't need to work at Target. So there was no such thing as a professional football player until the 1980s because in the 70s they all had jobs in the off season. <laughs> no, you can have a side hustle, but if your main gig, right. it, what's paying the bills? The NFL is paying the bills, and that Mike have my back. All right, so, I, so, I want, so again, I need to apologize for losing my notes because I had written down every single joke that everybody said and I had a ranking for it and everything. So I don't remember anything that Jay Light and Frank Castillo said to each other. I remember Jay Light being slightly better but not having a strong opinion about who should have advanced here. What did you guys think? Yeah, it was very weak. There was, there was no home runs, I think, in this battle. The, the, one, the one thing they kept replaying over and over again during this battle was the Frank Castillo saying, like, Jay, why are your lips so big? Aren't they tired from shushing black people all the time? That's the one joke I remember. Yeah. I think – and that's not really that funny, honestly. Yeah, it was a 50-50 battle. Any – either one of them could have won easily. Yeah. Yeah, all right. So, the what, next, so what was the next battle we saw after Frank uh, – Well, so you should judge. say who the judges night uh, one okay. in addition to Jeffrey Ross were. Okay, so – oh, so so my wife did not watch night one with me, but she watched the other nights. And mm. um, my wife obviously, you know, has never heard of Anthony Jeselnik. So the, the judges on night one were Anthony Jeselnik and Snoop Dogg. And Jeselnik is far and away the best judge. He should be the universal judge. Yep. I mean, he, he should run this whole he thing. He should be the host of the show, yes. Yeah. So in the beginning of night two, which is Whitney Cummings and Ken Jong, who are terrible, we'll get to them, they sort of showed clips of Snoop Dogg and Anthony Jeselnik from the night before. And my wife is watching. She's like, oh, man, that sucks. We missed the good judge last night. I'm like, yeah, I know. Jeselnik's really good. She's like, who? No, I'm talking about Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, by the way, Snoop Dogg was better than both of them. Oh, Snoop, in her he was. Defense. But I said to Jen, I'm like, yeah. Snoop, Snoop Dogg's not a comedian. Jen's like, yeah, but people have heard of him. <laughs> uh, well, it's also like, I, I think the, the roast is tied, though, is something that ties back. Like, when Akiva and I covered the Justin Bieber roast uh, on post show recaps, and Snoop Dogg showed up, and he was, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Akiva, I think he was fine. So I guess it makes yeah, sense. He didn't bomb. He definitely didn't bring bomb. him in. He was yeah. just I think okay. he's better than like when they bust in like Meta World Peace for the regional. <laughs> but, but, but it's also a little different because when Snoop Dogg is on an actual roast, he has comedy writers helping him prepare what he's going to say. Yes. Whereas when he's a judge. Well, this show has writers too. Yeah, but not for the judges so much. Uh, I'm sure they. Uh, oh, I'm sure. They probably feed him a few lines. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. They could probably feed them a couple lines, but. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so Jeselnik was a great judge. He had complete disdain for the contestants, for the uh, you know, for for the whole destroyed the way, destroyed the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you know, I I covered uh, last comic standing for the last two seasons with Rob on Rob has a podcast, and Jeselnik was the host for that last season. We were both very complimentary of him. I feel like this is. You know, it's Jeff Ross's baby, but, you know, if Jeselnik wants to be the adopted parent next season, I could totally see it because I totally agree. This is Jeselnik's comedy, like really outrageous, insult, dry comedy is Jeselnik's wheelhouse. So no surprise that he was far and away the best judge to evaluate this content. He was mean, but he also like, you know, he he, he was one of the only people who like picked the correct winner every time. Do you guys remember in the regionals, there was the guy in the New York regional who did a Jeselnik impression, which was completely spot on? Creepily so. Yeah, who did yes. that? Who did that? Was that Broussard? Uh, no, it was I, not no, Broussard. I, I don't know. I it was an amazing was the guy from You're right. He didn't, he didn't make it on. Yeah, he played Yamanika, okay. actually. Yamanika in the regionals. He was the one who I think was from the town, Newtown, Connecticut. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, but he yeah. was – it was an amazing Jeselnik yeah, impression. Yeah, it sounded – and I wish Jeselnik had yes. the judge there. By the way, in the New York regionals, they had way better judges than they had in the actual – Except for Lisa Lampanelli, who I uh, I lampooned to Akiva. Like, she was far away, even considering the people we're about to talk about with the judging panel. She was the worst, in my opinion, considering she didn't care who anyone's name was and yeah. what they said. She was just right. giving she such write anything general down. blanket statements that she was yeah. horrible, in my opinion. When I, my first year in college, I was such a fan of Lisa Lampanelli that I went to to the comedy cellar nights in a row to watch her every single night. No and, way. But the problem is that's that, the, by the way, that's that's like the serial killerest thing you've ever said on this podcast. Well, here the, the problem was, I was you know she has the same material every night. Yeah, right? that's the problem exactly. That it's like, and the the way it got really awkward is like on night three, she's like looking for the black person in the audience to make her black jokes, and there was no black person in the audience, so she just picked some random white guy. And said, "Okay, you're gonna be my black guy," and then I realized like, oh, this is all she has. And a little disappointing. But um, well, yeah, Ch- yes, but Chester, uh, Mike, Chester's annoyed that Lisa Lampanelli doesn't do a new hour every night. <laughs> yeah, she, no, we can't all be a Louis C.K. Chester. <laughs> First of all, it's not an hour at the Comedy Cellar. She's getting up there for fifteen minutes. Yeah, and, and I'm just saying, if you're trying to make a racist joke about a black person, this whole black person in the audience move on. You know, 
Uh, the main reason we were going every night is because my friend Rafi, uh, you know, would go out of his way to wear a yarmulke as prominently on his forehead as possible, desperately hoping that they would uh, point to him and make fun of him as a Jew. And considering that oh, I would wear a hat, I would wear a hat to these shows. But I would always do. You know, do you remember the Make Seven Up Yours guy? He's at the cellar a lot. Yeah, uh, he picked the, on me. Uh, he picked on me like, isn't it Joffrey? Yeah, Godfrey. 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 Sorry. Godfrey, yeah. He's yeah. on Louis or sometimes. Yeah. He's picked on me like three different times. Yeah. One time he was like kind of bombing, and I was looking at my phone or something, Ooh. and and he was like trying to get my attention, but he was just really being boring. And it was he was like the eleventh comic of the night. Anyway, let's go to the next. Let's go to the second battle. Ev- it was Evan Williams versus Anna Valenzuela. Yeah. Valenzuela has been a comedian for about ten minutes, apparently. Yeah, two years, I think they said. Evan Williams mumbled all of his jokes. He was the worst person in the whole competition. Oh, oh I disagree. I thought he should have. I thought he should have won this battle. He, you couldn't even hear his jokes. He was literally mumbling them and and not even trying. All right, Mike, you're the third this judge. A, Who should have won this battle? No, I, 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 I'm going to give it to Anna on this one in terms of being better, but only slightly. Uh, it's definitely damning with faint praise here. Uh, she was, again, second match in a row where you're starting to get that feeling of like, oh, there's not really many heavy hitters. I would say yeah. overall, I liked night two much better than night yes. one. Oh, yeah. Side no of the question. Yeah. was by far the better Agreed. side. Do you know what they did also in every joke? It was like one of these things where like they had a bunch of dead parents and dead relatives and like horrible family situations, but it wasn't explained. So like you just found out at the punchline of the joke is like, you know, oh, she you like tripped over her dead cousin, you know, and. And then it's like, oh, I didn't know she did that. And Jesselnik had a great line. It was like, don't do that. That's inside baseball. These people don't, don't even know you are, let alone your family. Yeah. But but then again, the, the alternative is what they would do in the regionals where Moses would introduce them and say, coming up to the stage now, his mother died of cancer and his brother right. is currently in prison. Right, which, which is like, you're, you're stepping on the joke to introduce somebody. Yeah, exactly. No, but it's still better than what they did. Can we talk about Moses for a second? He brings yeah. absolutely nothing. He, he doesn't take anything away from yeah. the table, but he adds nothing. Why is it's very sure. clear that like the, the, well this well this was his idea to begin with. So you can only assume that he was sort of grandfathered in that it wouldn't oh, yeah, function yeah. without him. But like yeah, you could replace him with basically you could replace him with a regulation ref from the NFL, and it would be the exact same impact. Right. Listen, he hosts at the you know the w- w- the comedy store, whichever LA comedy club they do this at. That's not exactly like a high prom you know like a like a prominent gig. Yeah. When he does it, not when he does it, not on TV. But the fact that he sort of like does it when the cameras aren't rolling means he got the game. He's not bad. He just he's not. He would lose in the first round of this comp. He also has like a thousand followers on Twitter. There's some, yeah, but I think yeah, he's an executive producer on the show. So yeah, my theory was that he is he's the one who had come up to Jeff Ross and said, "Why don't we do this?" And Akiva, yeah, Akiva probably right. That. Probably right. All right. Um, so the third battle was that Joe Dosh against Leah. Leah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kaya Janine. Okay. So Joe Dosh to me was far and away the best one on night one. Immediately, I thought this guy has to go to the finals from the left half of the bracket. He destroyed Leia for nothing. Yeah, destroyed biggest blowout of the whole tournament. Yeah. Unbelievable! I thought he was really, really good. I like Leia I like didn't really get didn't get I into like his it. Really. Persona. And Leia, by the way, I w- coming into this battle, I thought, oh, these are two powerhouses because in the regionals, I had liked both of them. But yeah, she just got ru- rolled over here. The the one thing about Joe for me that really was something that stuck in my head and it's going to happen in the other, you know, three battles he has is TJ Miller, as sauce as he was, correctly pointed out in the finals. He has this weird thing where immediately after he tells a joke, he does this sort of shrug gesture to the audience. And it's sort of funny the first couple times when he does it every single time for four jokes for three battles in a row, it gets really old to me. So I thought he was a good comedian, but like so shticky, so shticky with that gesture. Yeah, you need Mm -hmm. a second. Yeah, it was like he was too cool for it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we got to the the, the final of the night, which was Kurt Metzger, the biggest name against Yamanika Saunders. Yamanika, by the way, the way she came out dressed in, in all her battles, very, very impressive. You have to uh, respect her outfit. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Chris Rock, and a, a white person should never do any Chris Rock uh, comedy, obviously. But, you know, Chris Rock has that famous bit about, like, a 300-pound black girl versus a 300-pound white girl. Do you guys know what no. I'm talking about? This is very, like, Michael Scott territory. <laughs> we're, both the, we're both so nervous for you, but, but <laughs> not more excited than nervous for you. Anyways, the point is... I will paraphrase, but he says that, you know, very obese white women are sitting at home being depressed and very obese black women are having the time of their lives and are out partying. I'm sure that's a stereotype that may or may not be accurate, but Yamanika Saunders obviously represents a a, a perfect encapsulation of that stereotype because she is having a great time. And it's hard not to have fun when you're watching her. And Kurt Metzger, as I was saying, she's very likable. And Kurt Metzger, he uh, is very unlikable. He was a writer for Amy Schumer and uh, he he got into a a spot of trouble. Mike, do you want to tell us why? 
Yeah, so uh, as a member of the New York comedy community, uh, this is something that hits a little close to home, literally. Uh, there was an incident last year where a member of the community was uh, accused of multiple incidents of sexual assault. As a result, they were immediately banned from the theater and essentially ostracized from the community in general. Kurt Metzger was one of the people to speak out adamantly in favor of him. As a result, he was lambasted. And That's the hell you want to die on, usually. Yeah, exactly. He was he was fired from inside Amy Schumer. This is well, he wasn't fired because the show doesn't exist right now. Uh, and I think she's I honestly think she's waiting for it to like go two years and then people not to notice. But I think like he may be back when the show's back. Um, but I guess this is sort of comparable to the uh, the Steve Renazzisi appearance in season one, in that it seems like Comedy Central with both these seasons wanted to give one spot to one of the most controversial comedians at that time to basically have them flounder and everyone to point and laugh at them for extended. Yeah, that's what he said. So you didn't. Eat, we should have told you to maybe listen to uh, Jeff Ross on the on Bill Simmons podcast because he said that exact same thing basically to Simmons a few weeks ago. Well, that's what that's what Akiva said, but I didn't really feel like Metzger. While some people were upset with him, he hasn't been ostracized from the community the way that you know Steve Ranazisi was. You know, I, well, Ranazisi is just a bigger name because he was a star no, of like but, a popular but, but Metzger, show. Where Metzger's a writer. Okay, but there's a Daniel Tosh does the same thing as Metzger. There's a lot of comedians who are sort of openly, you know, pro rape mm-hmm. jokes or or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> right. You know that you know. Yeah. It, you know. Anyway, so Jeff does him a favor. They specifically put him up against Yamanika. They appeared to be friends. Uh, this battle was a giant mess. One of the problems this year, they don't have, they need to have somebody like literally like pointing at whose joke it is. Because one of the weird things they do, you each get four jokes, right? You know, Chester says like his joke against me. And then I say like, you know, Alex Chester has all the likability of, you know, blah, 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 blah. I make a joke. And then it's like, sometimes that's your joke. And sometimes like you get to insult a person on the rebound and then yeah. tell your joke. But it's not clear when. But in this battle, Metzger had clearly never seen the show before, so he told like six jokes, and Yamanika told about two, because he he like kept interrupting her to the point where even though he told like eight thousand jokes, after the battle was over, he like yeah. just sat there like an idiot and told one more joke. Yeah, he but was he very kept confused. stealing her turn. Like he should have been, he should have lost just because. He didn't follow the rules at, at all. It was this whole thing was a huge mess. Well, I mean, he definitely this is, had the this best isn't a joke. golf tournament. Like you don't have to be like that strict in your enforcement of the rules. I know, but you shouldn't be allowed to play like that hardcore of defense. Yeah. You also had the best joke of the night, I think, which uh, the turbulence joke. Remind us. Where oh yeah, the turbulence. She, she, she flew over with her sister Turbulence. <laughs> oh yeah. With turbulence. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I thought I thought that he was a little better than her, but again, like like the first two matchups of the night, I thought you could have gone either way. I didn't have a strong opinion. Uh, Yamanika is going to be by far the audience favorite. Uh, say what yeah. you want about actual joke structure, but both of the matches she's in, the audience hoots and hollers and stands up for literally everything that she does. She is a presence. She is a stage presence for sure. Yeah, but again, my feeling at the end of this night was the only comedian who I really enjoyed was Joe Dosh, and I was going to be annoyed if he wasn't going to advance to the finals. Okay, so let's go to night two. How did, what did you guys feel as your like, takeaway from night one? Biggest winners, Joe Dosh and Anthony Jeselnik to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. But I like I mean, Dominique even, too. Like she's the only person who could like actually move her career out of this, besides maybe the winner. And I would also say that you know I think uh, you know seeing Todd Barry go up the next night, I think my uh, my expectations were planted more firmly in night two, and I was not disappointed in that regard. Much stronger than night one. Yeah. By the way, like twelve of these sixteen comics at least have podcasts that nobody listens to. But every comedian in the world has podcasts nobody listens to. It's crazy. Like, if you go to, like, D, you know, minus list comedians, they all have some podcasts on iTunes with, like, eight iTunes reviews. <laughs> I mean, we're not exactly ones to talk, but... Uh, I know. Listen, we're not comedians. we got more than that. Uh, by the way, Akiva, you, you mentioned, you know, like, the winner sort of getting something out of their career from this. I haven't really heard of Mike Lawrence before or since, frankly, except when he was a judge in the New York Regionals. He was good. But I was disappointed that he wasn't in the bracket. Like, shouldn't he be returned to defend his crown like you do with, like, the Slam Dunk Tournament? Well, I think uh, Ross thinks that the winner should. Well, so they clearly didn't have a plan because Sarah Tiana uh, yeah, where told Bill Simmons that she was going to be on the show. She yeah. like she claimed that she was going to be in the bracket. Is Sarah Tiana ran was the runner up last year? No, Mike Lawrence got a job to write for Amy Schumer. I think he got a bunch of gigs. But you, what does that mean? You haven't heard of him? Like he didn't become Louis C.K. from winning Comedy Central's roast battle last no, year? Like I'm not. I'm, I'm, it I'm, I'm, it I'm not dead, up though. Like, I've heard of like ninety. Like again, like I'm not talking okay, about. Like, it, 
instead of playing like a tiny set, he might go to like, you know, Cleveland and play a bigger club. Like it definitely helped him. But it just the fact that he didn't come back was weird. The fact that Saratiana didn't come back was weird. Wait, he wasn't even there, right? He was only yeah. on the regionals. Yeah. Lines, Matthew, right? That is true. Yeah. Matthew but, Broussard, well, by the way, in, in season one in Montreal last season, they made reference to the previous se- They implied that there had been a like a roast battle before that wasn't on TV. Well, the, oh, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a recurring thing. I mean, Jimmy Carr, who was on the first season, I think they said that he had won the previous year. So yeah. I think it's just, they didn't build an entire arena and broadcast it, but I'm pretty sure it's something that they have always done. It just was not a big to do until last year. Yeah. Well, yeah. And now there's like leagues in New York and LA. You can see, cause Zach Amico who faces Matt Broussard on night two is roasted, has done like 50 battles and you could see a lot of them on YouTube. Broussard, by the way, cause they referenced in season one, he had been the runner up in, in the preseason one battle. This is third straight. Yeah. But well, I guess this is a good segue. To, I guess it's a good segue to talk about his. I he's the Jinho of, of the. Uh, by the way, you mentioned yeah. Jimmy Carr. He is a huge comedian in England. Like I've watched on Netflix his stand-up specials. Yeah, well, that's the difference between season one and season two. Like Jimmy Carr is just like another guy in season one. He would have won this competition. Well, easily. but he, yeah, uh, Earl Earl Skakel, the guy who finished third, I believe is there's that Showtime show coming up this summer about comedy called I'm Dying Up Here, and I believe Earl Skakel actually has a pretty big part in it too. Yeah, although, but he was also sort of like the Cinderella story of season one. Like, they were surprised that he won anything. He was sort of just like a wacky guy who was a candidate. So let's let's go to night two. Keith Carey versus Olivia Grace. Yeah, Olivia Grace is like 21 years old. She uh, had broken her leg or something in between. Last. Night one and last year, she 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 like slipped on the stage and lacerated her leg open. So she was the one last year who did it in a wheelchair. And I think she still lost. So she's coming back with revenge in mind. Yeah, but she was yeah. playing she somebody. Somehow really looks much younger this year. Yeah, who she was playing somebody really good. She like she should have lost last year. Yeah, um, Keith Carey, I believe he is the one who beat Anna Valenzuela in the um, in the regionals. <laughs> you know, he was he was pretty decent. Uh, Olivia Grace has an interesting look. I actually think she has like a real chance to be a good. Uh, like uh, talk about like interesting, interesting, interesting looks, Keith Carey. Who, by the way, they, Moses did do that thing where he introduces him. He introduced him as like a bisexual something or other. Um, yeah, that was a big thing in the uh, in his preliminary roast. Yeah, yeah. yeah he sort of roly like, poly, uh, but yeah, just a little roly poly. Yeah. Maybe bigger boobs than the average guy. Uh, there was a Down syndrome joke that was very mean, but not original. In this one, it, they got a little more. It was probably more mean spirited. The roast battle two than roast battle one. There was a forty acres joke that was pretty good in this one, but. Nothing really memorable. Who do you think should have won this one? I liked Keith more from the regionals, but I guess Olivia proved herself a little more. And if Olivia came back and she proved herself, let's push her forward over Keith. Yeah, pretty similar to uh, night one. They sort of had the weakest battle go up first. All right, so what was the next battle then? It was uh, Todd Barry versus Jessica Curson. Oh, okay. So, yeah, Todd Barry, the biggest name in the tournament. Last year, and Jeff Ross did mention this to Bill Simmons, Ralphie May, a pretty big comedian, I guess literally also, and a friend yeah. of Jeff Ross's, comes on the show, and he sort of assumed because he's a bigger name that he's going to advance all the way. And he didn't really deserve to win in the first round, but he won anyways. He definitely did not deserve to win in the second round, and he lost. And he was genuinely pissed at Jeff Ross, so much so that he has not spoken to Jeff Ross since. Yeah, and they were and they were like best friends before that. Yeah, so so Todd Barry's a pretty big comedian, you know. Like he's a guy who I think he's probably the only guy in this tournament who I've heard live. But you know, I heard him live like 15 years ago, so he's had a long career. And yeah, a, a second in the, like Todd Barry has like 60,000 Twitter followers. Maybe one other person has double digits. Maybe Broussard has double digits. That's but, bad. But this is but this is the tough part of like busting in these people between like Todd Barry and Ralphie May is because. Unlike other types of, you know, talent competitions, comedy is very much about who you know. It's very much about networking and forming and for, you know, forming like an in, inner lining of people to all constantly go to and talk to. So I feel like when you bring in these people, yeah, Ralphie May is kind of acting like a baby and not talking to Jeff Ross since and kind of being humiliated on reality television for the second time, considering he lost on Last Comic Standing as well. But at the same time, you know, he might feel that you know, Jeff Ross was kind of playing with his friendship in the spirit of making a good TV show. So that, that's why it's always tough to, like, bring your friends on because you know they're going to assume, like, okay, they're just going to advance me in the competition, and when they don't, you have a right to get pissed off about it. By the well, way, Sarah Silverman literally, literally voted for him in round three uh, because they're friends. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Keith, I'm going to fact check you. First of all, Jessica Curson has 40,000 Twitter followers and a blue check mark. 
Uh, oh, I didn't check her. I didn't Todd check. Todd Barry has three hundred thousand, not sixty thousand. Todd Barry's three hundred thousand. Yeah. So he. Wow. Yeah, that's really good. He is. A, he's, he is. I completely agree. He is by far the biggest name coming into this. Yeah, I'm Kurson's very surprised. Names, which is why. Okay, fine. I take it back. But it's, but it's weird why they were battling each other for that reason. No, because I imagine that they wanted Kurson to beat Barry, and that like sets her up. That like builds her. That's like you beat the Undertaker, and now you're Brock Lesnar. But again, no, there, there, I mean, there was no chance of Barry losing. You're wrong. Based that's the whole point of the Ralphie May story. There was zero chance of Todd Barry losing in the first round, and probably the second. No, because I, I don't. I'm not sure Barry even wanted to be. There. The battle itself was by far the best out of the the both first round yes. nights, and it was yeah. it was she, savage. One thing that happens for people who were just listening to us and not and didn't watch a show, in which case this is probably unlistenable. But um, <laughs> one thing that because especially since Chester forgot to put in the jokes, one thing that happens is like if you have four, and this is how the guy who won won. If you have four B plus jokes, and the other person maybe they have an A and A minus, and then they have a C, and then like. If you have a joke where you stumble on it or it just dies, that you, that's what the judges remember. Unless you have like an absolute home run, that's what happens. So Jess, Jessica Curson had good jokes, and then she tried to tell Lou C.K. joke, and she just ate, ate it. She just totally stumbled on it, and she lost because of that for sure. I actually laughed hardest in this battle when Jessica Curson had her opening joke about Todd Berry being ugly and unattractive, and his response was, that's fair. Yeah, it yeah. was good. It was, it was very yeah, good well, response. And, that, and that's when I knew it was wrapped up. And I think even Whitney Cummings uh, has a moment of actual good oh judging and says that <laughs> as well. That, like, you're the only person up here who actually acknowledges the insult. And that's so different and so new that you have to reward it. Yeah, so with the judges night two, you didn't say, were Whitney Cummings and who? Ken Jong. Ken Jong. Ken Jong. Ken Jong. Ken Jong was just unmemorable. He didn't do anything he right or wrong. Whitney Cummings, the worst judge of the tournament by far. So bad. I mean, Whitney, literally, these, like, amateur comedians are zinging her, and she didn't get any returns back. Like, if you said the, if the jokes to Whitney Cummings, uh, if you said those jokes to Anthony Jeselnik, he, you would literally be in a body bag. Like, he would he would own you, and your career would be over. Cummings, like, literally didn't have any... She had nothing to say. Well, my issue with her wasn't her lack of funniness. My issue, by the way, I went to college with her. I mean, not like, you know, we weren't like friends, but we were at college at the same time. She's, she's a very good roaster. You know, she's been on roasts historically, and she's done very well on them. But here, she was so openly, like, for, she, would, she would openly, her judging was terrible. Like, she would choose people for the wrong reasons. She, every single, every single time she judged, she sort of personalized, she says, well, as a woman, my feeling is blank. And, like, you should make jokes about that, but you shouldn't be, like, judging based on that reason. She's openly saying, I'm voting for my friends, I'm voting for people because of their gender. I thought, like, as a judge, she was terrible. Forget about whether or not she was I mean, funny I, as a comedian. I, I... I just get this impression of Whitney Cummings in general that she sort of just feels she's above it it all. And I don't know what it is. It might be this competition. It might be NBC for canceling her show. She just always has this air about her of like, why am I here? I could be doing much better things. And I feel like this instance was no different. And and what's weird, it, it's, it's funny because Natasha Leggero was on, was she on night three, I think? Night, she was uh, on night four. She was night four. Night four. And they're, they're sort of similar, but Legero's like, has, like, this faux fanciness. Yeah. Whereas Whitney Cummins, like, her, every joke about her is that she sleeps with every producer in Hollywood. But so much so that, like, there has to like be the, a story behind this. But that's, this. like, the easy joke for every female comedian. <laughs> I know, but that's, like, her, like, she sort of, like, propagates this. That's, like, yeah. her thing. Like, the same way we'll get, like, there was one match later in the tournament, and again, because I lost my notes, I don't remember, where all four jokes, I think it was Joe Dosh against... Frank Castillo. All four jokes about Joe were were like not funny at all to me because all four jokes were he's a homosexual, like he has sex with men. Okay, but that's if you can't make the same joke about a straight person but in reverse, then it's it, like there was no joke there. It was just acknowledging a fact about him. I thought, and so yeah. sort of the same. Like if you're just gonna say, oh, she's a woman and so she's a slut, like you have there has to be something extra there. It has to be like you have to have a joke beyond just sort of like the easy like throwaway line, basically. And yeah, I felt like that was definitely missing. So what was the next match? Chaplin against Hooper? Yeah, Scott Chaplin and Alex Hooper. Pretty solid battle between two guys who were pretty good. Oh, disagree. Um, what? Uh, this was a rout. This Hooper destroyed Chaplin. Cha- First of yeah, all, but I think Chaplin's good. Hooper definitely won, but I think Chaplin could have beat some of the other people. So Chaplin, but, Chaplin did the worst thing in a roast, which is he personalized. He was like personally offended, and he was like his feelings were hurt by some of the things that Hooper said. Yeah. Which you, you're automatically yeah. disqualified if you react that way. Yeah, Hooper, Hooper comes out with, like, a really wild coat, which I think buys you around in this tournament sometimes. In, like, a tie, if you are if you have, like, funny... Hooper also tells, like, 45-second jokes. There's really no rules. Like, you could tell, like, an eight-word joke, which is what Frank Castillo does every joke, 
where you could like Hooper does like three jokes in one a lot of times. Yeah, those can backfire, but Hooper was really funny. Yeah, Hooper's good. He's he's solid. By the way, back to just for now. Back to the thing about being personally insulted. So you know, like, why do we watch the NFL? We watch the NFL because these are like superhumans. These are people who put their bodies on the line and destroy themselves physically in a way that normal people couldn't. And we enjoy mm. watching that, like gladiators, you know, because mm. and and. Roast battles the same thing, but emotionally. We watch these are superhumans who can get on stage, and the most like things that people would be most sensitive about can be destroyed. They're destroyed emotionally, and they can survive it in a way that normal people can't. And so, when you see somebody get up there and act like their feelings are legitimately hurt, again, it's like it'd be like watching like a, a regular guy in the NFL, and then all his bones are broken. Like, what are you doing there? Like, you're wasting your time. It like it didn't matter to me whether Scott's jokes were funny. His reaction to Hooper's jokes made me feel like he shouldn't have been in the tournament at all. And he also, okay, he, fair he also acted that way in the regionals, by the way. Yeah. Anyway, so Hooper wins that one. And the last battle of the night, which is, you know, if Barry's going second, they really had high hopes for this one. Zach Amico, I think, uh, Jeff Ross had brought up on, on the Simmons podcast as maybe the tournament favorite. Definitely the like the roaster with the most experience, basically, of anyone in the world. Like, this is what he does. Um, but he came out against Broussard, who had been this before. And it was like throwing him to the wolves, right? Because, he first of all, he came out with the ridiculous hair. Yeah. And he didn't really hit a single joke. Like, this is a guy who is so dominant, and he didn't really have one, like, you know, whole, like home run joke at all. Well, Broussard, I thought, was Yeah, surprise, surprising off night. For Amico. You thought Broussard was bad here? No, in season one, Broussard was terrible. Yeah. yeah. See, Bruce, Broussard yeah, he, had a joke. I think Amico's mom works in Olive Garden, and he compared it to, like, par- like his mom at Parkinson's, and he Broussard's said, like, I'd rather. Broussard's jokes are really smart, though. Honestly, he has yeah. really... Oh, they're so... They're so good. Yeah, um, but Broussard, Broussard's been on Conan, and he has like he tells a lot of science jokes. Also, like he is he's a well, smart. He was a, his, his, yeah, his family is full of scientists, as we find out yeah. from that random getting to know <laughs> interview that he used to pad out the finals. Was it with the was it the Amico matchup that he makes the joke about like I don't know if um if uh, being a deplorable gives you character yeah, that, that then Zach Amico is like a G, a strong Gmail password. That would that might have been like the joke of the entire yeah, season. That was, for yeah. me. that was just so that was so a thinker. Good. By yeah. the way, we're talking about how Amico comes out with the ridiculous hair, and that's a disadvantage. I disagree. To me, the disadvantage is Broussard. You can't come out and be like a, a good-looking guy, like white guy. Like yeah, but it's hard to make fun. I mean, it's hard to make fun of the bland people, right? Well, I mean, like if it's Jeselnik, then you make fun of him because he looks like an Aryan, like a Nazi, basically. And right. When well, you well, go to roast and Jeselnik, he gets Nazi jokes. Broussard, you get the same jokes, even though he's technically. Um, and he gets Jeselnik jokes also. He is Jewish. I I I'd like to know. I was like looking up a couple of these guys on social media i'd like to know how he's friends with my cousin who's a rabbi on facebook <laughs> like who is Brissard? maybe they go to the same yeah maybe they go to the same synagogue in houston <laughs> um anyway uh night three now the quarterfinals matt dosh versus uh yamanika sanders the most racist joke of the entire tournament and maybe the history of comedy <laughs> uh by the way can we talk about jeff ross how his shirt and his jacket are both engraved with rmg for roastmaster general <laughs> That is insane. Oh, I had another Brian Moses comment I forgot to mention. In, uh, in, in night one, so uh, Snoop Dogg did that famous um, ra- uh, epic rap battles in history where it was Santa Claus versus Moses. Uh, you guys have seen that, right? Mm-hmm. Akiva? I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that one, Akiva? I think so. It sounds familiar. Uh, it's, it's, very, it's very, very good. So Snoop plays Moses. I read your book. You got a strict religion. No bacon. A mandatory circumcision. I'm a jolly bowl of jelly, giving holiday presents. But all the jokes that people ever get for Christmas is jealous. When I was high upon the mountain, God revealed the truths of the earth, but he never mentioned a fat-ass Papa Smurf. It takes nine reindeers to haul your fat ass. You took the Christ out of Christmas and just added more mass. You need to stop breaking the houses and creeping them, peeping on naughty kids while they sleeping and keep your hands off a stocking. Don't you ho-ho me, I split your ass in half like I did the Red Sea. You ain't a saint, you a slaver like a pharaoh in the snow. Stop with the unpaid labor and let my little people go. Please, ladies, let's hand turn your brains to mush. I think you need to stop smoking. And all that burning bush. Yeah, we're magical workers, man. We hang with reindeer. Yo, here's a GPS. Who gets lost for 40 years? You're a glorified secretary, so write this down. We got these knives. Santa Claus is coming to town. So much drama in the Israel BC. It's kind of hard talking directly to the G.O. single D. Hand me my chisel, I got a new command missile for y'all. Thou shalt not let children sit on a grown man's lap at the mall. I beat you ten times before the bread can rise, you dummy. And walk off into the land of my milk and honey. 
And the reason I thought of this is because at one point during night one, when they came back from commercial, Jeff Ross referred to Moses by his name, and Snoop, who was obviously really stoned, all of a sudden like came to us, and he's like, Moses? He sort of like looked up, and then somebody sort of said semi-off mic. I guess it must have been Jeselnik. Somebody said something like, oh, yeah, you love Moses. So I thought there was like a little reference there to uh, – but yeah, so Truly an Easter egg for the Snoop Dogg fans out there. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, sorry. Yeah, so this was Joe Dodge versus Yami. Uh, he, he said Sarah Silverman and who were the judges for this one? John so it was uh, Sarah and John Mayer. Yeah. John Mayer, who was pretty decent. He was fine. Yeah. One, of, one of the comics roasted him that he slept with Katy Perry, Jessica Simpson, and Britney yeah, Spears. I think, was, uh, is... I think Broussard said, I, I love all your hits. Taylor Swift, Jessica yeah. Simpson. That's Katie some Perry. insult. That's, re- that's really a big insult to John Mayer. <laughs> Yeah, reminder, you sleep with hot women, John Mayer. <laughs> yeah, like, dare literally, you. like, four of the five, like, most eligible women in, in like, the whole country. So, actually, I have my notes um, from night three. Um, Joe Dosh came out, and I thought this is as big a baller move as you can possibly do in Roast Battle, which is he came out and dropped what is an amazing Roast Battle joke before he even did his four. He comes, what he say? He comes out there, and he says, it's an honor to roast one of my comedy icons, Patrice O'Neill. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. a good joke. And the, that's a good joke. It's, it's and no, and that's a good joke, pre-roast. but he's so confident that the, he says, I have four better jokes than that. The, yeah, the pre-roast jokes are usually hit or miss, but that was a definitive hit. And even though, again, Yami was the crowd favorite, she was definitely getting more acclaim, I think, than Joe. I do think Joe had much stronger jokes than her this round. But I thought, I, I trucked this one up to Yami. He said uh, that she looks like Sarah Silverback, which is, an insanely racist joke that the crowd liked. Yeah. Um, so it's crazy that you said that because I thought this was a round. I thought J- Dosh won again, four nothing, not even close. But Jed, my wife thought Yami won, which blew my yeah, mind. I thought Yami won. But now it yeah. says that also. Maybe I'm just not woke. I don't know. Um, I also thought Mayer was a terrible judge. He did the same oh, you're thing. Definitely not woke. He did the same thing as Cummings and John did the night before, which is he's, he was like too serious. He was trying to like analyze the jokes and explain the humor. In a very yeah, funny yeah. way, I thought. But but you also but this is also someone like I can understand it from John Mayer's perspective because it's very clear that like okay people think I'm a musician I want to try to prove myself so I can at least say yes you're you're too much of a tryhard John Mayer but at least it comes from someplace as opposed to a comedian who says they don't want to be there and as a result isn't really paying attention to what's going on. Yeah. All right. Then we had Olivia Grace against Todd Barry. Sarah Silverman, who obviously, Ugh. like everybody else I love, but this is where she disqualified herself as a judge. She said, basically, I'm voting for Todd purely because we're friends. Yeah, uh, I think I, either one of them could have won because this was such a mediocre battle. Yeah, this was a bad... I, I would say, when it's a bad battle, I, it's fine with saying that the tie goes to sort of the person with the longer track record. But I didn't like how that yeah. was decided. I didn't like the way that Sarah... And I didn't like... For some reason, Todd's last joke did not stand out to me of, like, Olivia... You're give you give me some good news. You just got cast to play the role of every woman who shoplifts from a from an urban outfitters. Like that was definitely too much track to put down. I feel like he had better jokes earlier on that I'm probably yeah, forgetting about. Yeah, Todd Barry basically got worse throughout the tournament with every joke he told. And also Olivia, like the stereotype of her is that she's a redneck who lives in the South, not she's a hipster who goes to urban outfitters. Like you know, I thought right. I thought it was a confusing. Yeah, then we had. But she's hard to roast because she doesn't really like what's her thing. It's like. Her hair blocks her face. She's kind of unkempt. Like, it's hard yeah. to really well, have mean, a great joke based on yeah. that. Well, it's the things that you make fun of everybody on the show for, which is their weight and their gender. And, I mean, you know. Right. And their, and their ethnicity, especially. <laughs> right. Then it's Frank Castillo versus Anna Valenzuela. By far the yeah, the, they, just, of the of the of the Elite Eight matchups. It was disappointing that one of the there was, No, there was, a home, there was a home run joke in here, though. Which one was that? Uh, Frank Castillo says Anna Valenzuela, like, that she's like a Trump. You, you know, you look like you're kind of like a Trump, oh, like yeah. your face is Ivanka. Yeah, you're, 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 you have a body like Melania, a brain like Ivanka, and you're barren. And your womb is barren. Yeah. That's a yeah. really great joke. Eh, it's all right. And also said it looks – no, that was a smart joke. He just didn't but, deliver but, perfectly. But, I mean, so after this night, Akiva and I were talking of like, of the top four, you know, what's the equity between them? We both had Frank Castillo rack, ranked dead last because even Ross pointed out here, like, you're going to be up against three performers, and you're not really a performer, but yeah. it turns out for him, jokes are going to pull much more than performance style in the final round. Yeah. Frank Azio does nothing other than, like, tell eight to ten word jokes. Yeah. Uh, and, and it also should be pointed out, like, he's literally the doorman across the street at the comedy okay, store. Okay, but that's, that, that was the thing that the TV show was very misleading about. Doorman at the comedy store is the first job that every, like, that, you know, every comedian yeah. does that. You know? Yeah, Mark everyone Marin knows was that. The door- well, no. For not everybody. Most people watching Roast Battle didn't know that. 
okay, but people know that that's like your comics are the are the doorman. Yeah, like, right, but you were just saying, oh, he's not even a comic. Like he is a comic. That's that's how you get in the game as a comic. He, I can guarantee, he has another job. He's the doorman at the comedy cellar. I mean, at, well, okay, at, fine. Yeah, at the yeah. Comedy I'm saying these guys all have other jobs. So one of them works at like a waitress, and they're. They, they all have other yeah, jobs. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was... So, yeah, he wins. He was slightly better uh, than I thought, but I didn't really have a strong opinion. Yeah. And then the last battle... Hooper versus Broussard. Uh, I, I thought uh, I thought uh, Hooper should have won, honestly. Uh, I don't know. To me, like, you talk about, like, Hooper's sort of weird affectations during his first round edged him out, and I agree with that. But, like, I think he turned it a little too much to 11 in this time out. And Broussard again came out with really solid jokes and Hooper didn't really have that great jokes and put on like the weird foppish persona on top of it. It was just too much for me. I thought I, I coming into this battle, I thought Hooper was going to win in a route because he had, he had blown out Chaplin the night before. I wasn't that impressed from Broussard for two years in a row, but I thought, first of all, Broussard really gives his audience the benefit of the joke. This is when he did the Gmail character joke, which was really good. Mm, Even his simple jokes, like he made the Richard Simmons joke. That was also great. I thought that yeah. I thought, don't beat Richard Simmons after dark. Yeah, I thought this was a massive upset by Broussard, but I thought he deserved to win. I agree. I think Matt Broussard by far is the most improved. From he's one of the only people. I think him and Yami are the two we've seen from uh, year one to year two. But he's the most improved by far of between the two seasons we've seen on Rose Battle. Yeah. Mike, that you just referenced, which was sort of you know talking, and I also spoke to Akiva after night three. So we're going into the finals. It's going to be Todd Bear against Broussard, and it's going to be Joe Dosh against Frank Castillo. So you said your thinking was Casillo was definitely the last. What was your thinking like among the other three? I might have I might have been again a little slighted because I knew Todd Barry going in, but and I you know even though you said he got worse as the tournament progressed, I still liked a lot of his stuff. So I probably put Barry one, Broussard two, Dosh three, Castillo four. Oh, wow. Again, that right side is just completely dominant. Yeah, so, so I'm, I was I'm sad very to see my one and two go against each other. Akiva, what's your take? Uh, yeah, I, I I thought whoever won the right side was going to win. Okay, so to me, to me, I would have put it at like 70% Dosh, 20% Broussard, 9% Barry, 1% Castillo. To me, Dosh had been by far the best through two nights. Castillo was worthless. And Barry, I knew for sure, was going out because he only got that far based on reputation. So I thought Dosh would destroy Castillo and then he'd beat Broussard pretty easily as well. So, but apparently, well, and, and also from like an objective standpoint, uh, speaking in terms of equity and not who I want to see to win, Barry had no chance of winning because you know if he would win, there would be again I don't know how many people ended up watching this show, but there definitely would have been cries among the comedy community of oh, yeah, oh, Jeff Ross is asking his friends on and they're winning. Why should we even do these regional things if he's just going to reward his friends at the he, end of the day? He couldn't win. I don't even think he wanted to win. It would have been absurd. Yeah. All right, so we get to they, night four. Uh, we have, instead of a, a three-judge panel, we have a five-judge panel. We have Patton Oswald. Yeah, which is their first mistake of the night. Yep. Yeah, well, Patton Oswald. This is a live show. This way, remember, this is a live show. The first three were not. And it did it go was, long. It was just too people's fat. DVRs, for sure. <laughs> Patton Oswald was good. Jason Sudeikis, I've never been a fan of. TJ Miller, I am a fan of, but he was the worst judge of the whole tournament. I think he was very drunk. He was drinking the whole time. And there, Natasha Rogero was sort of her, her standard self. She was fine. Yeah, Moshe Cash was right behind her. Honestly, yeah. he's probably more qualified than well, uh, everyone. And he but was Pat. also yeah, a great he, judge. He was, he was a regional judge. Yeah, he's a great judge. Yeah, he did the LA ones. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, all right, so the first battle of the night, we had Joe Dosh versus Frank Castillo. Um, I liked Castillo. I thought he had a good line, his like a baseball line. Yeah, yeah baseball joke was great. The Cuban baseball yeah, joke yeah, was great. Yeah, it's, it's, weird, it's weird that they highlighted the Joe's forehead is so big because he's thinking about dicks over that one because i thought the baseball joke was much more creative i agree with what you said before i mean this is basically he's latino versus he's gay you really aren't uh, but, striving for that least, much nuance the gay jokes weren't the even, again the, the gay jokes were just like haha he's gay and i actually liked the fact that joe responded basically by saying like yeah i enjoy having sex with men so what you're a loser like that's why i thought he should have won because castillo's jokes were, were not jokes they were just like pointing out like i thought castillo was terrible i thought he didn't get deserve to get this far and and it, it was an embarrassment that he was in the finals like you know i actually i'm looking at my notes at the point i say wait you thought dodge should have won this not even close could not believe a world I oh was that's in. crazy oh no it was insane that dodge got one vote what he didn't land it what he oh joe castillo destroyed dodge hold on mike jeff ross could not believe that that because it was the first two people wait. voted castillo and then Dosh got three and four, and then Ross had to make the decision. And Ross was apoplectic. Hold on. He Mike, could not Mike, believe Mike, that it wasn't Mike, five. No. Am, I, am I crazy here? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Was the uh, 
the Mexican picked a fruit. Was that what Broussard said in the finals, or did Joe Dosh say that in the semis? I don't know. Go back and go back and watch this five minute clip. Castillo annihilates. I, 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 I had insane. zero points for Castillo. All four of his jokes yeah, were crazy. all four of his jokes were Joe has sex with men. That's not a joke. That's an observation. And Joe even called yeah. him on that. I thought Joe's final yeah, just, joke was by far the best joke. I'm looking at my notes at the time. I said, "Can I place my life savings on him getting destroyed in the finals?" So, <laughs> well, you're broke now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I, I guess going back to the, your question to me, I, I don't think it was a blowout either way. I honestly thought I, I don't think Joe brought his best material. I thought he was the favorite going in, but I think Frank Castillo benefited very, very much on going up against two people who ostensibly bombed with their material. So. I guess I could understand him winning, but I didn't want him to. Yeah. All right. So let's get to Broussard to Barry, which was much better. And I here I have comments on. All but this, this is really where this where the, the scandal of the whole show comes because, uh, first of all, uh, Todd Barry's like he's you know Justin Bieber Beatles joke was like the worst joke yeah. of the whole tournament. Well, no, well, no his sense. first joke was you look like a game show host. Like that's not even an insult. No, not yet. That's not an insult. Like that's literally like the lead of SNL yeah. plays game shows like eighteen times and, a and season. And Matthew's response was, "You look like a Make a Wish child who forgot to die," which is phenomenal. That's not bad. Right, right off the bat. Yeah, right off true. the bat, Matthew has a massive lead. Yeah. Then Barry's second joke, the Beatles Justin Bieber thing, that was made no sense on any level. Um, no sense. And then and then Matthew just doubles down, basically tells him he's going to die alone. I thought Matthew had like already clinched it at this point. But and okay, so if you're watching, I mean, if you're watching this. I forget the, the order of the votes, but very clearly, I think when it's 2 nothing, Todd Barry, Jeff Ross signals to uh, to Jason Sudeikis when, when someone else is talking, basically like, we're voting, uh, we're voting Roussard. Like, it is beyond fix at this point. Like, he is clearly telling in the background like, who to vote But sometimes, and again, we go back to election night, sometimes things need to be fixed because you can't have people oh, like no, T.J. Miller deciding. That's why, I, listen, I'm on, I'm on uh, record on this podcast as saying, like, you know, like a, a benevolent dictatorship, like I run in a, in a pool, yeah. is good. Like if you could be trusted, then that's what you need because Ross should be making these decisions above drunk T.J. Miller and, you know, Jason Sudeikis for sure. Yeah, so well, let's just quickly run through their third and fourth jokes. Barry's third joke basically was that, that Matthew's corny. And then Matthew had a third great joke, I thought, where he basically called Barry a, a pretentious pedophile. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I thought he clinched it. And then Barry's last joke was that Broussard is a poor man's Jeselnik, which is not a bad joke. But, again, the problem is, like, the larger audience for this show doesn't necessarily know who Anthony Jeselnik is. He hasn't been on the show for three Even though you saw him three nights before. <laughs> yeah, but but what? But there's a big percentage of people who didn't watch Thursday night who are watching Sunday night. That's true. Like, they kept hyping up the finals yeah, and nothing yeah, else. Yeah, my, my wife didn't understand that joke at all. And then um, and Matthew's last joke, I thought, was was not as good. He basically, like, usually you want to end on a great one. He basically just said that Todd Barry's, like, peers have passed him by. So I actually thought, like, I graded this three to half, but I thought that Barry got the last vote. But, yeah, the judges were, were completely a disgrace. Uh, yeah, the judging here was not great. Uh, that's why, like, listen, a show like American Idol, maybe they pick who wins behind the scenes. Dancing with the Stars, like, they won't tell you what the voting system is because they want to pick the winner. But at a certain point, like, they know what, they know what they're doing. And it's like, we don't want to see the sausage be made right in front of us. They probably, yeah. maybe they just shouldn't do a live finale. Like, what are they worried about? Spoilers? Who cares? No, um, I mean, I think they could, they could do, like, like I watch RuPaul's Drag Race, and, like, there's a subjective comment as to who to eliminate there, but it's not like they go down the line and each person says who they want to get rid of. I find it would be much easier if it's just, like, you give your blanket comments, everyone puts their heads together, and then they get back, the camera's back up, and Jeff Ross says, okay, this person's moving on. That's yeah. a lot easier than having each judge give a vote out loud. Well, even even want, like the order of who votes drama, is always disorganized. Build up the drama. Yeah, but they don't really do. A lot of times it's like two nothing, and Ross doesn't even realize that there's already been a winner. Well, when it was two nothing here, I actually paused my TV and I wrote my little note. I said, I know for sure that Jeff Ross is going to make sure that Broussard wins. I just want. Oh, and he literally. Yeah, I, well, if you're I, yeah. watching, he and literally. And I, I just does didn't know right was he going to for the right reasons or the wrong reasons. In other words, the right reason is because Broussard was funnier, but the wrong reason is. This is a show that needs to create stars for it to have legs, and Broussard is clearly the best chance to create a star, so Broussard has to win. Um, although, you know, how wrong I was, obviously. It wasn't, clear, it wasn't clear to me that Todd Barry wants to be there. And now, so Broussard wins, and the final is Frank Castillo versus Broussard. And, and the fix was um, in, for you, sure, for Broussard to win. I mean, they, first yeah, of, the plan yes, was for they Broussard had, to win. They had um, packages. I would be shocked if they even had a um, if they even had one of those rolling packages for Todd Barry. Because if you notice, like, everyone else is in the background of all those shots, and he's not. 
like they all they all they all went for like to film probably the day before or something and he was not there yeah, well, I think the thing is that, like, again, it's the separation between, like, those that are much bigger names versus a lot of these are sort of fledgling comics that hang around together and, and right. fuck with each other, whereas Todd Berry definitely walked in, did his roast, and then promptly left every night. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, well, let's talk about the final. The, Broussard comes well, this is, uh, the final's over in 10 seconds, right? Yeah. Yep. It was, it yep. was a disaster. Again, it's a very, by the way, very similar to last year's. This is a little more pronounced, but... Siratiano, who was probably the best roaster uh, for most of the tournament last year, told a 49ers joke, which was kind of funny, but totally died in the room. Because um, it was Canada. Yeah, it was, she said, like, it was just too weird of a joke. But it was a totally fine joke. Um, but he, he literally, well, do you remember the joke was? He literally just couldn't get it out. Yeah. And then, and then he, and by the way, it's possible this happens uh, on the tape shows and they just edit it better. But he... He couldn't get it out, and then he's they're like, say it again, and he starts saying it again, but there's still a lot of noise at that point, so he has to say it a third time. So he just aborts it, says a different, like, very short, not funny joke, yeah. and it's it's game over at that point. Like, Castillo literally just has to speak words without stumbling, and it's over. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how, how, how long that crowd was in that room and how sauce they were, because no matter what, whether it was Broussard's joke or not, they were restless and noisy throughout that entire battle. Yeah. You hear... Prominent shushing. The last joke, last joke is said multiple times to sort of quell the crowd. They they were definitely raucous and I think ready to go home at that point. Yeah. Castillo has one really good joke, right? The One Tree Hill joke. That's where yeah. they would like lynch people or something. That was good. And, and then uh, Broussard had the worst joke of the whole tournament, probably. That Ja 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 joke, no? Well, see, so I. Oh, yeah. No, I, just, I once dated a, a girl who spoke, like, whose first language was Spanish, so I actually got the joke, which is like. Spanish people, like, don't say... This is the longest way for a humble brag ever, Mike. Not, I'm just letting you know. a humble brag that I dated somebody. No, I How mean, many I, girls I, have I, you I, dated? I, Every I, episode, I, there's I a, new, the a new girl before Jen. The thing is, I get the joke as well, but oh. it's not well, Akiva really definitely did a it. joke. Akiva did not get it. My wife didn't get it either. Yeah, but, well, but I hope you didn't tell her about the Spanish girl dated. She got very it's, it's, an, it's an observation. He was essentially saying, like, hey... The problem is, Akiva, that girl's name is also Jen, and I dated her while Jen and I were on a break. Oh, that's... Okay, fine. That's the same girl. You just switch her, you know, characteristics when... No, but the point is, the first time she said ja 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 to me in a G-chat, I was like, why the hell did you just say that? I had to learn, because I grew up in a little bubble without Spanish speakers. But, but like, it's but it's not a joke. It's an observation. He's saying, oh, yeah, yeah Spanish people laugh like yeah, this sometimes. Yeah, it's still, right, even like, if you got it, it's not fun. About it. oh, right. Yeah, it, did, it just, it, like, I, I got it, and I didn't think it was funny, because he wasn't saying anything about it. He was just yeah, saying, hey. it didn't hey, matter. At this point, it was over anyways. Right, and well, we, by the way, we should say for the people who didn't watch, unlike the first three nights, the finalists have to come up with their jokes in about 10 minutes on the fly, meaning they have to no, have pre-planned jokes. Yeah, they wrote four jokes in case the, both of the other people win, right? Yeah, but what if, what, if he, what if he assumed Joe Dosh was there and his good jokes were to face off against Joe Dosh? Yeah, well, that would have been a safe assumption because, you know. Yeah, uh, that's probably what happened. Yeah. Um, and again, I think I made this analogy before, but I really did. It was like election night in the sense that I wasn't in denial. Like, I saw what was happening and I, like, I acknowledged it was happening. But it should never have gotten that far. Castillo should not have gotten that far. He did. He took it fair and square once he got to that point. But he should not have won any of his first three battles. So I was pretty disgusted by that. But I was most disgusted by T.J. Miller, just an atrocious judge. There's no way to justify. And he gave the way. He gave the win to Broussard, which is bananas. It, it, I mean, he's got to be banned from the show, honestly, for what he did. It's it was crazy. Yeah. Oh, they won't. They won't care. They'll bring him back. I mean, you didn't that you didn't think that was insane that he said Broussard won. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying that there, there's no way they're kicking him off. If you think this is a place that's full of any sort of oh, no, fairness no, no. equity yeah, to no, it. No, no, no. <laughs> Jeff Ross is, uh, is, is not losing sleep over it. What, what, so what do you guys think? That, you know, but, but the truth is, it's a very nice story. Frank, you saw his mom. He's one of the only moms you saw in the audience. He's the doorman across the street. It definitely... He was crying when they when they went up there. Yeah, like, again, that sucks. That's not what I want from Rose Battle. I don't want mothers who are like, I'm so proud of my son. Like, Rose Battles are supposed to be, like, sarcastic and nasty. You know? Yeah. It, it was um, the wrong mood for, for, for the battle, I thought. Yeah, I think if they do a one-versus-two winner, then Mike Lawrence is going to wipe the floor with Frank Castillo. Yeah. Are they going to have a tournament of champions at some point? At some mm. point. I think they have to have... Uh, if they, have, if they have enough seasons, I mean, yeah. are and we then they could have like a tournament of champions of champions. Yeah, I think I'm sure they'll bring it back. It seems like it's pretty cheap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure it's very cheap. Yeah, I mean, you're getting like Sarah Silverman, but you're at most paying your scale. You know, it's not like they're giving these people like 50 grand to show up. I don't think. Yeah. 
All right, Mike. I mean, I literally didn't announce the winner, like the guest, until next night because it's just like a podcast where it's like whoever does me a favor tonight and shows up. All right, Akiva. I think uh, we're over an hour in, and we still have a whole other TV show to discuss. All right, so yeah, let's let's uh, switch gears. But Mike, this was so fun. Uh, hopefully, there'll be a season three, and we can talk about Mike, it. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Ma- yeah, thanks we so should... much for having me on, guys. Mike, what do you have? Uh, but I'll, I'll I'll make my plugs nice and easy as well. Uh, check out Rob has a podcast, reality TV wrap ups, post show recaps, The Hamster Factor, uh, Survivor Historians. I do a bunch of stuff on there. Specifically this week, there there's a lot out there. I'm even going to be doing something with Akiva in a couple days that I'll uh, I'll leave in uh, in Miss Shattered Shattered in Mystery at the moment but thanks so much for having me on guys and i I look forward to hopefully coming back sometime in 2018 to cover season three in which case the comedians will be presumably worse and they'll be busting in uh louis ck and chris rock to take place in the tournament that'd be pretty cool awesome thanks so much mike okay this is alex here because we went so long both with Mike discussing the roast battles and with our next guest discussing our next topic, I'm actually going to go ahead and split this podcast into two. So this was part one with Mike Bloom discussing roast battle, and part two will follow very shortly. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.